Welcome to the Yoga Girl Podcast. I am so happy that you're here tuned in. Wherever you are right now, I hope you are okay. Today is day 43 of lockdown for us over here in Aruba or for me, Dennis and Leah Luna. We are definitely reaching a, a point in this pandemic where I, I'm starting to feel like maybe things are going to become a little bit lighter soon. I don't know if, if, if that's the general feeling uh, everywhere in the world, but at least where we are here now, we succeeded, I think, in what they called flattening the curve. So we were reaching about 100 cases of, of confirmed corona cases here on the island, which, you know, for a tiny little island with only one hospital and not a lot of, not a lot of resources was a lot. And then we've reached this place now where no new people seem to be getting infected anymore. And every day the numbers just drop because people are recovering. So right now there's only 20 something cases, active cases of coronavirus in Aruba. So for the first time now in, in almost two months, the government eased up a little bit on regulations. So we have a, a curfew. We're not supposed to be outside after six o'clock. It, it was nine o'clock and now they moved it to six o'clock or was it 10 o'clock and they moved it to something o'clock? I, I'm home all the time. <laughs> like I'm, it's not like I'm out and about at night, you know, but they changed it. They eased up a little bit with the, with the curfew. So we're allowed to be outside like an hour or two more every day, which says something, right? It's moving in that direction of things easing up. So I am really over here right now contemplating so many things. First of all, if things ease up now and regulations become more and more, you know, gentle and softer and we're allowed to be out and about and things start opening up again, we'll be, be able to open island yoga again. You know, doesn't that technically sort of mean that that we all risk just getting infected again? I I I have I have such a hard time kind of knowing how to feel about this because the chances of of coronavirus being completely eradicated, like 100% gone from our entire country, I think is very low, right? Because many people are asymptomatic, um, especially kids. And, you know, we know people can carry this virus without showing too many symptoms or it feeling like a light flu or a cold as well. So I think chances of that is very low, even though if that happened, that would be great, but probably not, right? So Dennis thinks that the reason they're easing up now is because they maybe actually want more people to get the virus. So we can start to think about some sort of, you know, antibodies and herd immunity if that's if that's if that's a thing that works. <laughs> Everything is just a big experiment right now, I think, and every country is really doing this in different ways. But um we had to ask ourselves that question yesterday, you know, if if Leia's daycare opens back up, like will we will we bring her back? You know, it would make her so happy, of course, to be able to interact and engage with, <laughs> with kids again. She has not seen a child in 43 days, more. Yeah, probably 50 days. She hasn't seen another kid, right? So, of course, it would be a beautiful thing for her to be able to get back to some sort of normalcy. And it would be nice for us to have, have a little space in our day and a little bit of a break. But, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, it, it's kind of like... I wish we could all just have a very mellow, calm, gentle, flu-like variation of Corona where we all knew we were safe. We're just going to be a little bit sick and then, you know, it's going to pass and no one's going to die. No one's going to get respiratory issues. Everybody's going to be okay. And then we will all develop antibodies so we can't get this thing again and we'll have herd immunity and everything's going to be fine and we don't have to worry anymore about this virus, right? Like that's kind of where I am now. I wish that was the case. And obviously we don't know 
<laughs> this virus is affecting different people in so many different ways. And I'm taking in stories, like I'm listening to stories from people in different parts of the world right now. When I listen to stories from New York City, you know, I get really, really scared. It makes me feel terrified, like I don't want to leave the house. There's so many stories of people who've, 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 who've suffered incredible Oh, incredible suffering just from being infected with the virus where things were really scary and people of course who have died like this is a this is a real thing or if, if they haven't if they've survived the virus you know been been on, on on respiratory support or been in the hospital for several weeks and no one wants to risk that obviously but then I go to you know countries like Sweden I spoke to my dad for the first time in a couple of weeks two days ago or yesterday yesterday and his point of view was you know Yeah, I, I went skiing with a bunch of my friends and yeah, half of them had Corona. I was like, what? While you were on this trip? He said, yeah, yeah. And I was kind of, you know, kind of excited to get back home because three of them, they got tested for, for, to see if they had the antibodies and they did, which meant they had Corona at some point and now they can't get it again, if that's true. Or, you know, at least it proves that they've had the virus already. And then a couple of them were, were like a little bit sick then, you know, so they think they had, they were sick then. So I was excited to go back home and go get tested, you know, to see if like, do I have the antibodies for this? And I didn't. So yeah, bummer. Like I kind of wish I had it. And I'm just, I was just, my jaw was on the floor listening to him talk. Like what? <laughs> That's, you know, and, and he's one person out of 10 million people who live in Sweden. I, I don't really want to generalize Sweden because Swedish people get really upset <laughs> when I do. But that in his little community, you know, that's been his experience in his life. Like Corona is not something that we're scared of. You know, actually, we should all try to get it in a mellow way. And uh, and he was sharing like, yeah, I've seen a lot of statistics that the countries where it's been really bad, it's been countries where they prescribe, where they are really free in terms of how much they prescribe antibiotics. So that when they have been really sick, they have been super resistant to different kinds of treatments. So countries like Spain, where they are... I guess in a freer sense, they are more lenient with how they prescribe medication. This was one of his theories. Obviously, this is just a theory that my dad had. And in countries where there are high rates of smokers and in countries where family members live together, so where there are chances of, you know, you're living with your parents, you might even be living with your grandparents, that people have been infected in that sense because people are, are living in community and family. And in Sweden, that's not the case. You know, Swedish people move out really early. Like as soon as we get 18, we're out of there. <laughs> and we don't have this. And I think it's kind of sad, but we don't have this, this generational care, right? The idea of, of, of having your grandparents move in with you or living with your parents, with your family for a long time is just really, yeah, really absurd. Like it doesn't exist in our culture that way. So they think that's why there has been less deaths, less panic, less ICU cases in Sweden, even though Sweden kept the schools and the daycares open all throughout. Restaurants, bar, cafes have been open all throughout. So I, I kind of wish there was some sort of <laughs> case study that we could just say here is how it's worked in every single country so here is exactly what should be done now but it's just really clear and evident that that's that you can't like every country's reality has been so different you know it's been there's been a big difference in different states in the U.S. different cities as well and Aruba I think is a total anomaly because you know we're a tiny island in the middle of nowhere like obviously we can't treat Aruba the same way we would treat Sweden you can't treat the U.S. how Sweden is doing it because it's a totally different situation right So I think it is going to be a hard thing when, if, you know, obviously this is kind of, I'm, I'm a little hopeful things are going to start to ease up soon. Maybe they won't, maybe things will take a turn for the worse and who knows, but it's going to, it feels like there's going to be a lot of personal choices, right? Even if they open up the daycares, like, do I want to put my kid in daycare right away? 
you know, or do we wait a couple of weeks to see how things go? You know, if, of course, if we can open up island yoga again, you know, have some sort of, some sort of opportunity for some sort of income to our local business here so we can, you know, continue paying our employees. Like we need that so badly, but I don't want to put anybody at risk also, you know, is it, is it suddenly going to be okay to have yoga classes going again with people in the same room? All of these questions that, that I, I just don't know how to answer. The one thing I do know is it feels, at least here now as I'm sitting now, it feels good. It's a, it's a bit of a relief knowing that things are not getting worse, right? At least where I am not right, right now, things are not getting worse. So hopefully that means that things are getting better. But what's, what is that going to be? There are so many unanswered questions. What's life going to be after coronavirus? And is it going to be like things you know, ease up for a little while. And then there's that second wave they were talking about where the virus comes back again. And is there going to be a new wave of fear? And what's that going to mean? And so whenever I have those moments of, oh, I just wish I knew more. I wish I had more control. I wish I could do more. I want to take, (laughs) take things in my own hands, you know, and just like, I want to figure out a way through this, but I can't, right? I don't have I don't, I was going to say, I don't have all the answers. I don't have any answers. I have no answers about how this is going to go. And what I keep coming back to is when I go down that like rabbit hole of what is going to happen, what is going to happen, what is going to happen? Because it feels like we're on, we're going to end up soon in a, in a, in another moment of change, right? So we had that big, it was like we were all thrown off a cliff that, you know, main week when everything changed for everybody. And we all had that week at slightly different times, I think, like off by a few days here and there. But you know that that week when everything went to shit, where we were thrown completely into the unknown, and it was just so, so much change, so much transition, so much to get used to so much fear, right. And then we ended up in this place that felt like a new normal, like, okay, we just live at home now, we're just at home all the time, eventually that fear sort of eased up a little bit and we started accepting that this is what our reality is now. So if soon we're going to find ourselves in another transition, the transition out of this, right? How do we exit or come out of quarantine if we're going to be able to see that as reality soon? What's that going to be like? Like what's that, what is that life going to be like? There's going to be new questions to answer, new kinds of fears that are going to be coming up. I think in in the U.S., you know, places like New York City and things like that, you know, I I think it's going to take longer. I think for us in Aruba, being so isolated, like a a dream scenario right now, if if I could wish for one, would be to know that Aruba as as a whole is totally safe, that we could have some sort of local normalcy, I guess, where the, I, I don't think Aruba will be able to open their borders until the situation in the US, especially on the East Coast, is totally stable because all of our tourism, you know, 70% of their of the of the tourism of, of people that visit Aruba come from the US, mainly the East Coast. But at least if we knew like, okay, our borders are closed, flights are not coming in and out, but we could have something that feels a little more like normal here, you know, for our locals. Like that's almost a little bit exciting. Like, hey, what would this country be like if we if we took care of each other? right? If we, if we didn't have all of our resources focused on catering to visitors and to other people who come and then leave, right? What if our businesses were more centered around the local population? What if our government was more centered and more dedicated to the local population? Oftentimes, you know, things I don't agree with about the Aruban government is, you know, they keep building, they keep, they keep destroying natural habitats and green areas on this island to build new hotels, they, they just build and build and build and build, even though the hotels that exist aren't full. They just keep, you know, 
tearing down these beautiful mangroves and beautiful green areas where birds nest and like really, really special parts of this island to just continue developing and developing and developing and developing. So it's like, you know, everybody has the the center of attention is always the tourists, you know, who might want to come visit. But what about us? Like, what about the locals? What about the people that have been here? You know, generations and generations of families who just want to take care of their own land, you know? So like, I, I'm obviously an, an immigrant here, but like Dennis, who's grown up, whose family's from here, all of his people are, are, are from here, born and raised. Like, what would it be like if we just focused on, on the locals for a change? Like, it's kind of a, kind of an exciting thought, you know, maybe we could get some cool initiatives going for the local community. Like I would love to start a community garden, especially to serve the, the under-resourced parts of our community here make fruits and vegetables more affordable. It is so expensive. Like being vegan here, eating produce, it's so expensive because everything is imported. So of course, the more under-resourced parts of our community, they end up eating a lot of junk food, a lot of fast food. You know, we have Taco Bell and Wendy's and KFC and Burger King and McDonald's and all that, all that stuff here. And it would be so beautiful to be able to make healthy foods affordable to the local population you know, it's like just, it's like a shift of perspective, I think for, for everyone, you know, individually, we're shifting our perspective more to home. Like, what do I need really? What does my heart crave? What does my soul want out of this life? But to also be able to start thinking about this on a, on a community level, right? On a national level where, where, where you live as well. Like how can we as a society come a little closer to home, take care of ourselves and maybe really live more of a local life? Like it's, it's been something that Aruba, you know, where I live, we've never been able to contemplate that because the entire economy is built on tourism. So there's never been any option. And now I think for the first time, everybody's eyes are opening a little bit. Okay. So what, what are we without tourism? You know, what can we create here? What can we source here? What can we manifest? How can we come together to serve our own community? Like that's a really beautiful thought to even to even begin to ponder that. Like if there's some positives that come out of this time and there's going to be a lot, it's going to be a lot of negatives, a lot of challenges, but there's also silver linings, right? And the this kind of thinking, I think definitely, definitely is one of them. So on a, on a personal level, <laughs> honestly, like I, I really want to do... <laughs> I really want to talk about my garden a little bit. <laughs> so obviously I want to do a community garden. We, we spoke about this. We did our 30 day challenge of free yoga classes on yogagirl.com. And I'm still teaching live classes every Monday, every Friday, 10 a.m. I'm teaching live classes on yogagirl.com. It's so much fun. But we had a, a big talk about this where we, where we really had a task, like one of our themes of the day, one of our tasks to contemplate for the day was how can I serve the community? Like how can I be more of service in my local area? And one of the things that stood out really clearly for me out of that is that I would love to, would love to farm. I would love to, to, to support in some way a community garden, a community farming project here. Like that's such a, such an exciting thing for me to even think about. And of course I had, I feel that way because I have this big, sudden, <laughs> fresh passion for all things earth, for all things growing, for all things gardening right now. And it's been such a beautiful thing to sustain and nourish throughout this time. 
And I've decided I'm going to invite an expert to have on the show to come on the podcast just to like, I, I'm obviously a total beginner, like I'm, I'm winging it every single day. I'm learning as I go. But uh, so, so many of you have asked questions about, you know, how do I get started? And I live in an urban area. Is it possible there? Or I live in an apartment. How can I grow something here? And, and I don't know how to answer any of that. So I'm going to have an expert on the show just to have a completely dedicated gardening episode or actually an earth episode just on how we can all in our own way, you know, because we all have different circumstances, just come back to earth. And something that I that I've really realized around this garden, like the, this this gardening project that I'm now, that's now my entire life. I kid you not, where you know that feeling the night before Christmas, like or or the night before your birthday. Okay, please don't tell me I'm the only one who feels this way. But the night before Christmas, I still feel like a child. Like I still I still get those butterflies. The night before my birthday, same. Like I get those little butterflies of excitement of like it's Christmas tomorrow. You know that feeling. I have a little bit of that feeling every night before I go to bed. <laughs> okay, don't laugh at me. <laughs> I feel like a child just saying that. But that's how much excitement, that's how much joy this garden brings me. I, I can't even put it into words. It brings me so much joy. I dream about this garden. Like every day I'm out there problem solving, figuring things out, planting new things. Like some things just aren't working and I'm learning from that. Like I'm not, I don't feel hopeless even when I have a lot of problems and I have had a lot of a lot of obstacles in this garden from everything from you know an army of lizards that ate all my stuff to my dogs digging up all the garden beds to Leia trying to pull things up by the roots to replant them in other places to like weird bugs that I'm trying to deal with now like there's always going to be something right but even though like I don't feel deterred at all I just feel motivated and so excited like this is the best thing ever and it's really made me realize how how distant and separate I have been from this part of my life. Because here's the thing, by, by not bringing any awareness to Mother Earth in that sense, like of course, you know, I love being outside, I love nature, but I haven't been involved in that process of creation, right? So when I see a pretty flower growing somewhere, I'm like, oh, that's beautiful, right? Like I can appreciate that. But to take part and create space, like holding space for Mother Nature to do her thing, you know, sustaining that and helping her al along the way, having my hands like planted in the dirt, in the earth every day, just being separate from that, it's actually kept me disconnected from this very, very important part of myself. Like we are so connected to Mother Earth. We have nothing without Mother Earth. And I just wasn't, wasn't raised in that way. I, I don't know. I was trying to really think back, like how, because I have friends who grew up like on a farm or they grew up in the woods or they grew up, you know, and they kind of had that, like we were city kids. Like my whole life, I lived in a city. I can't remember like in any of our houses at home, like us ever growing anything. I can't remember feeling even excited about that. I remember my grandmother on our, on our country house. Um, where we would go like all of our, all my cousins and aunts and uncles and, and everybody would kind of unite for a couple months a year at this, on the countryside and in, in the south, southeast side of Sweden in Vestavik, if there are any Swedish people listening. My grandma, she had like a little 
in Swedish we call it grönsaksland, which is like like a little vegetable patch, I guess, where she grew herbs and she had some veggies and she had some flowers and she was like ten. She had roses planted everywhere. She she really she was gardening. And she had a compost. And I remember like being really little. So we would put all the scraps of everything of coffee and veggies and, you know, potato peels and all that stuff. It would go in like a little bucket or a little bowl on the kitchen counter. And then once a day, she would take it out and we would go with her and you had to hold this thing and put it in the compost. And the compost was like a little smelly. It was like a little weird. And it was like also kind of exciting. And and then sometimes she would ask me to come with her like in the evening when we were cooking to go cut some chives or, you know, to like to to, to harvest some some herbs for the dinner. And that is really my my one like big memory of anyone in my family, really, you know, in my immediate family in that sense, gardening like that. Now, I have family on both sides, on my mom's and my dad's side, who are hardcore farmers. <laughs> like on my mom's side, my aunt and the whole family, like they have a big dairy farm with tons of cow, cows and cattle. And, you know, and for me there, they also have like, they have a, a big strawberry farm. They grow a lot of strawberries and they have apple trees and things like that. And for me somehow, I don't know why I wasn't, I, I wasn't called to that. You know what I mean? I was always allergic to animals, to farm animals. Anytime we went to visit, it was like a hard thing for me because I would always get a little bit sick. They had so many dogs and cats and animals everywhere. But I just can't remember ever ever being, yeah, interested in or like asking, like, how do you grow this? Like, how do you grow that stuff? Like, how does that work? And on my on my dad's side, like my grandma, she she bred horses, still has a ton of horses. Like, you know, she's, God, how old is my grandma? She's going to be... Okay, wait, I have, to, I have to always like calculate from my dad. My dad is kind of young. <laughs> okay, wait, so my, my mom is 53, which I know is correct. That means my dad, he's three years older. So he's 56. Wait, is he four years older? He's four years older. Man, and my dad is 57. He's going to be 60 soon, which is still young. Like I know like I have young parents. My mom was 20 when she was pregnant with me. So he's 57 and his mom and dad are only 18 years older than him. Okay, so my grandma and my grandpa, they're like, they're 75. <laughs> I'm so tired. Should I know this? I feel like I feel like this is like a sign of like, I'm very disconnected from my, from my Swedish family right now. I did speak to my grandma yesterday, but yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry, grandma and grandpa, if you're listening to this. Yeah, so she's still to this day, like she's 75 years old and she's up at the crack of dawn feeding the horses, you know, lugging huge bales of hay around, like, like, my grandma's like a hardcore, like she's, you know, healthy and, you know, goes for like four hour walks with her dogs every day. Like they really are kind of, you know, country people. And we just didn't grow up that way. Like we were always in the city, always in the city. All my cousins always used to make fun of me and my brother that like we were like the city rats, they would call them. It's like Stadsrottom in Swedish. Like we were the, we were the city kids, right? So that's what I knew. Like we lived in the inner city. I went to those schools. I only hung out with people who lived in the city. We didn't even, we didn't have a garden or anything like that. And I, and I was just like really thinking back of like, man, like it is, it is late for me to make this connection. I mean, obviously timing is perfect now and I wouldn't have been able to make this connection if it wasn't for all the weird and terrible and hard things that have come my way over the past years. Like if I didn't burn out, if I didn't get sick, if I didn't question my whole life, if I didn't put my whole life on pause and then on top of that, this pandemic happened, like I would not be here with even the space or capacity to think about gardening, right? Like even though obviously I have this passion, I think it's been inside of me all the time. My life has not been set up in a way that actually supports the kind of life that I really want to have. 
And this is a big thing. And I'm wondering if anyone out there who's listening is, has experienced the same thing. So the kind of life that I truly, truly want, and I would come back to this again and again and again, even in my most hectic years, even in the years where like I had a book release and traveling all over the world and teaching and like the most hectic years where I worked the most, where I felt like I never had a day off. Even at that time, if you would have asked me, what is my dream? Like, what is the life I want to live? The answer to that is, I just want to be home. The answer was always like, I want to live a slow life. Like I want to, I always had this, this, this passion for baking. So many times in my life did I start like brewing kombucha and pickling things and baking and stuff. And then I would, my life would get it, get out of hand and I would lose it. Right. And I wouldn't be able to keep up. I wouldn't be able to stay present. For so many years, I have been buying plants for my house that I have killed. Like for so many years, I would get in this like frenzy of like, Dennis, like I want to be surrounded by more green. I want to really have this house where like we're full, like nature is inside, in our patio outside. Like I want to, you know, have beautiful trees and these and these, you know, I, I keep going into these things of like, here's a project, let's do it. And then six months later, everything I bought is dead or, you know, totally neglected. And the other day, I just went to all the plants that we have in our patio. They had never been repotted. And I think we've had them there for like, I don't know how many years. You know, most of them were totally, totally brown, like dying from the inside, so neglected, but they're like clinging to life out there. (laughs) It rains twice a year in Aruba. Like that's what they've lived on. You know, it's been, it's really bizarre that I, like I have this longing to be connected to the earth, to garden, to be surrounded by plants, to have this slower lifestyle. But my life has not supported, my pace of life has not supported what I actually want. And how insane is that? Like, how fucked up is that? You know, that maybe that makes sense if like, if you're, you know, working for an employer that dictates your hours, like you don't have a lot of choice and option in terms of how much you work or how many hours you work. Obviously, most people have that kind of employment. That's different, right? If you're struggling to make ends meet, like obviously, like we all have different circumstances, then of course, it's going to be really hard to have energy and time left over for those things. But in my personal circumstance where I am super privileged, super blessed, make my own hours, like have my own business. I decide how busy I am. And still, I haven't lived a life that's been in alignment with what I actually want. Isn't that bizarre? Isn't that insane? I think it's like, like I'm in shock. I'm doing this, uh, I'm calling it bathroom floor sessions where I invite guests to join me on the bathroom floor to to talk for 20, 20, 30 minutes. And I've had some really cool people come on that little show. It's just on Instagram live. And every guest so far that I've had has had this same kind of sense of shock of like, yeah, I'm so appreciating the slower pace of life. Like everyone has found some major silver lining of here is something that I really love. And I always wanted that, but why didn't I do it before? Like what kept me from doing that, you know, pre-corona time? It's, it's really bizarre. And I think what I'm kind of getting to, at least in my own personal circumstance, is I I had so many years of moving at such a high pace that even when I thought I was slowing down, I wasn't. I mean, even even when I thought I was taking a break, I wasn't. Even when I, you know, felt like, okay, here I'm like taking some downtime. That wasn't downtime. I was still going 180 miles per hour, doing a thousand things at the same time, building crazy stuff, coming up with new projects, new ideas, launching this, launching that, 100 employees to take care of, like always a problem of some kind, always something to deal with, always a fire to put out. Even in my calmest moments, like things were not calm. (laughs) 
Like, really? And how can I know that now? Well, because I'm sitting here now experiencing actual calm, right? I still have like shitty days. I still have days where I feel overwhelmed with stuff and I can still experience stress. It's not like I have found enlightenment now and now life is perfect. Like, no. But thanks to all of all of this that just came my way, thanks to this burnout, thanks to being sick, thanks to canceling everything, thanks to pandemic, which was like the cherry on top of all of this weird stuff that really forced me to stop. Thanks to all of that, I've now been able to, I think for the first time in in my adult life, or for the first time since I was like 18, 19, I am able to experience actual calm, like actual calm. And immediate, the first thing that happens when my pace is slower, when I'm more grounded, when I'm here, is that I can feel my connection to the things that really lift me, the things that really bring me so much joy. It's like this connection to earth, the gardening, for instance, I haven't been able to feel it. I haven't had the mental and emotional capacity to actually connect with that side of myself because I've been too busy all the time. And now I can connect with that. I can feel that. I can feel that passion. And it means like watering my plants every day, which felt like a chore a year ago, like the thought of like watering a bunch of plants every day, like, oh, I don't have time for that. Jesus, like that someone else has to do that. Like, I can't do that. That I can't be bothered with that. Like I have more important things to do. Now it's like, there's nothing more rewarding, honestly, than knowing that every morning I get to go outside, the sun shines and I get to go to this garden where everything that grows, I planted from seed. And I get to nourish and sustain these plants and feel this connection to Mother Earth. And it's not even about like harvesting things, which is, that's a nice, that's a nice little like bonus, like a little reward or a little treasure that you get at the end, like harvesting vegetables and fruits. Like, of course, that's amazing, but that's not the point, right? I'm not, I'm not growing things because I want more food. Like, obviously that's beautiful too, but it's the process that I'm enjoying so much, because it, it allows me to be totally in the moment. It allows me to be so absolutely present with what is. You know, I don't have to, I don't feel distracted or stressed or like it's something I have to tick off a to-do list. It's just something that I enjoy. And it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Like I'm going to say a couple of years since I felt that childlike excitement to do something that I just enjoy for the sake of just enjoying it. Isn't that insane? <laughs> Like, isn't that totally wild and crazy and insane? (laughs) Like for me, this is a major, major epiphany that I'm having about so many things in my life. And also this ability that I have to find something that I encounter, that that I enjoy, and then I turn it into work. Like I do that all the time. Like if we've ever had a vacation planned somewhere, we're going to travel somewhere just for fun. I'll be like, oh, I'll teach a class over there. Or, oh, I can take that meeting with that person because they live over there. Or like, I'll take something that's supposed to be space and enjoyment and just vacation and I'll make it into work. Or I find like a new, like a new little passion of, of whatever, like yoga is a good example. Yoga was something that I, that I just loved for myself. Like I just loved practicing yoga. Yoga just filled me up, you know, there was nothing else connected to that than just pure, a pure sense of nourishment. And then taking the step to wanting to teach yoga still came from that same place. Like it was just something I was so passionate about and then something I was really good at. And then all of a sudden, you know, it became work, which is totally possible. Like you can have a a passion and then, and then make a living out of that. And it can be so beautiful because you get to do the thing that you love every day. Like that's this massive, amazing thing that this, you know, not everybody has that privilege to be able to, to do that or hasn't taken the step to do that. 
And then for me, I have definitely had moments and years over the past decade where I lost that sense of joy, right? Right. Where it's been like, okay, well, if, if I'm teaching a hundred retreats a year, okay, obviously I'm not teaching a hundred, but if I'm teaching, you know, 25 weeks of retreats and trainings a year, I'm not going to feel as excited to teach every one of those classes because it's something I have to do all of a sudden versus something that I enjoy, right? When everything is pre-booked and pre-planned and when there's money involved and you know, suddenly it's like a commitment and it's, there's pressure around it and it feels stressful because I have a kid and I don't have enough hours in a day. And, you know, and I always enjoy teaching, but I lost that, that, that childlike feeling of, oh, I just love it. Like, I'm so excited to wake up and I get to go teach in the morning. Like I lost that. Absolutely. I lost that. And now, (laughs) you know, just from this different, different pace, just being able to to sit here and feel just from having actually, actually been able to slow down. And now I'm teaching twice a week and it's the best thing ever. I mean, it really is the best thing ever. Like I, I feel, I feel so excited. Obviously it's just online. So it's like, I can't make the physical connection of saying hi and hugging people, but it doesn't even matter. Like just the fact that I get to wake up tomorrow morning, like I'm recording this on a Thursday, tomorrow's Friday, Every Friday, 10 a.m., I teach this live class online for the community. And a bunch of people join me from a bunch of places all over the world. And it's the best thing ever. And normally, I don't like demonstrating poses. Like, I like walking around. I like, you know, adjusting or connecting with people or being present with the room. Like, normally, I don't teach and move at the same time. Also, like, normally, it's hard for me, like, if I'm teaching a fiery class to do everything in that class and keep my voice really steady. So normally, I don't. And I'm doing that now and it's great. Like it's the best. It's so lovely to be in my body <laughs> and feel into my body and breathe in my own body while guiding other people to breathe in theirs. Like it's so easy. It's the easiest thing. It's like, it's not work at all. There's nothing about it that feels like a job, you know? No, like this just, it's just amazing. <laughs> and all of this, it's like, what I'm getting at is we all have that thing or many of those things inside of ourselves that we have been disconnected from. Like we all have that kind of life that we want to live, but somehow the life we're living doesn't align with what we truly want. And yes, to, to a certain degree, it's going to be because, yeah, of course, we got to put food on the table. Of course, like we have to make a living. Of course, we're always going to have to do things we don't want to do. It's not like running a business is a terrible thing. What's bad in this is the pace we've been moving in or personally for me. And I think a lot of you relate because I keep hearing this again and again from so many people. What's hard about this is the pace that we've been moving in and the fact that the time where, you know, where we have had dedicated to actually slowing down or to being at home, it hasn't felt like that, right? It's been like, okay, I'm working nine to five and then I come home and I have all this shit I got to do. And, you know, I'm trying to squeeze in this little time I have to connect with all of these people and to go to this outing and to run this errand and go to this party and how da, 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 da. And it's like, what do we really want? You know? And it's really hard to go from that high level, frantic, never ever stop kind of energy and all of a sudden really shut off and tune into earth and feel like, what do I need right now? Like what sustains me? What nourishes me? What lifts me? Like that question, I I haven't even been connected to the question, you know, nevertheless, the actual answer there. Like I haven't even, mm, no, it's, this is a big, this is a really, really, really big thing. And whereas before, like a couple of weeks ago, I felt a little bit of fear just because there's, there's something inside of me now that is clicking so deeply 
to, you know, everything I said for our intention setting ceremony on January 1st this year, like everything I declared to the world last year that I was going to do in 2020, like 2020 is my year of space. 2020 is my year off. 2020, I am not working. And I said this a hundred times, I'm going to be home with my family. I'm going to take care of my kid. You know, I'm going to, I didn't say garden because I wasn't connected then, but I said, I'm going to bake and I'm going to cook and I'm going to take care of the house and I'm just going to do yoga and read books. And like, I'm just going to take care of myself. Like this is going to be my year. Like who knows if I can ever do this another time. Like I'm I'm able to this year. So let's do that. And then 2020 started and didn't happen. (laughs) Like it didn't happen. Yeah, I was... I was marginally less busy because I didn't have retreats and trainings. Obviously, that made a big change, but I was still launching new projects and in meetings every day and, you know, clearing out my inbox with 300 emails every day and like still obviously, very, very obviously still working, still on, still in the same frequency of busyness, even though, you know, I had less engagements than planned for 2020, still in that energy of busyness like, right. And then, you know, this pandemic hit, I had people who wrote me like, uh, like, did you create this? Like, is it, is this, did you manifest this pandemic? (laughs) Because you knew this is what you needed. And the only way to get you to actually stop was to stop the whole world. Like people were joking with me that way, but like, be, and I said, you know, be careful what you wish for, because this is everything I wished for came true in terms of last year, what I said, the kind of life I wanted suddenly, boom, here you go. Obviously, it came along with immense suffering and immense fear and, and stress from the fear and all of these things that, and I think I said in a, another couple of couple of episodes ago, yeah, I wish I could have gotten here without the pandemic. Yeah, without all this suffering, without any death, without anybody losing their jobs, without any an economic decline, without us losing team members, like people who are family to us, like, of course, like, man, obviously, obviously, it's not like I'm sitting here like, yay, coronavirus is great. No. But would I have been able to get here if it wasn't for things playing out exactly the way they did? Probably not. Probably not. And that is like a hard thing to sit with. And everybody I have on on the bathroom floor sessions that I ask this, it's like, why? What was keeping us from doing these things that we are now finding, finding are so important to us? Like I had Tara Stiles on the show yesterday. And she said, you know, I, like we had a kid because we wanted to spend time with our kid. Like that's why we decided, made the choice to have a child. And then we had a child and it's like, yeah, all of a sudden it's like daycare and finding a babysitter and making, trying to get time away from our kid and making sure we can still work and blah, blah, blah. Like life becomes around, how can I keep everything together? We're like, hey, yeah, I had a baby because I want to be a mother because I want to be home with her. Not everybody has the kind of reality where there's any other option than having our kid in the maximum hours of, of daycare, you know, of school, of, 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 of having a babysitter or a nanny if we can afford that. Like that's a super privilege and I haven't acted on it, right? Like I spent a lot of time with my kid, but her first two years of, of life was I, I, I struggled so immensely because I had so many commitments, so much work, so many things I had to do, this constant shuffle between me and Dennis. So like, who's going to be with the baby so I can do this? Are you going to be with the baby so I can do that? And I don't want to live that way. I don't. And a couple of weeks ago, I had this kind of fear of like, am I going to slip back in all those old habits when this is over? Like, are we all going to, what if we all end up where we were before? And yeah, probably for society as a whole, like there's a risk that 
that we go back to things that weren't great. Hopefully not. Hopefully we'll make some real good, solid, sustainable changes for for our society, for our local community, for this world as a whole. But from a personal standpoint, like where I am right now, I don't feel that fear anymore. I really feel like every day I spend actually immersing myself in those things that bring me real joy. Every day I spend allowing myself feel and experience the slower pace, like actually living that slower pace. It's like, it's like I'm remembering, you know, it's like I'm remembering like this is what life is supposed to be. This is what life is supposed to be. I don't think we were put here on this earth to work. Like, I don't think we were put here on this, on this earth to work 80 hour weeks to kill ourselves, you know, for some job that maybe we don't even like. And that's not true for me. Like I love my job. I always, always have loved my job, but the pace I've been moving at has not been sustainable, has not been good for me. It's not been good for my team, for my employees, for my family, for my friends. Like it has not been a sustainable thing. Like, I don't think we were just put here to do and do and do and do and do what to 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 what <laughs> and, and for me it's not my motivation has never been money like for me motivate the motivation has not been this financial thing which I know I also think it's a generational thing but which I know is a big big draw for a lot of people like I want to make enough money to be comfortable for the rest of my life like I I don't know what's in my bank account I've never been that kind of person because that's not what drives me but I'm realizing now what's been driving me has been this idea of success this idea of I have to do like if I do I am worthy right if I succeed I I'm lovable I'll be accepted if I'm great like if I'm the best at something if I really like I I have to prove myself every day that like that feeling I've had that kind of motivation of every day I got to prove myself every day I got to keep going every day I have to match you know my actions with this kind of frantic stressed feeling of not being safe inside of myself which I've felt my whole life and and what I'm realizing now is like that energy is not the true me right that frantic stressful like I gotta I gotta do I gotta do I gotta do I gotta fix I gotta save I gotta create I gotta manifest I gotta succeed I gotta I gotta I gotta like that's not who I really am and when I say that it's like makes me take a breath because it's so fucking true that is not who I really am that's who I was confused thinking I had to be to survive a lot of horrible shit that happened to me in my life, especially in my childhood. That's kind of what life conditioned me to believe that that's the energy I have to match to make it, right? If I, if I stay really busy all the time, that everybody's going to stay alive, right? If I, if I keep working really hard at everything all the time, then everybody's going to be safe, right? It's that hypervigilance of like, if I keep my eye on all the balls all the time and I don't miss anything, then nobody's going to abandon me. Then nobody's going to leave me. Like that's literally, that's been my, my motivation. I haven't been aware of it. Of course not. Of course not. It hasn't been conscious. You know, it's been like, this is a super fun thing. Like we have a lot of amazing things that have been created along the way. We've helped a ton of people along the way. It hasn't been, you know, it's not like I, I, I started like a cigarette company and I'm doing something horrible for the world. No, we've done amazing things, brought beautiful tools for healing for so many people across the world. Like we've done amazing things, but my motivation in creating underneath it all hasn't been from that true place of who I really, really am. And that's just like, it's a, been a hard truth for me to swallow, but it's really true. 
what I realized, so I'm, I'm still in therapy. Some people were asking, I'm still in therapy. I have a session every single week. It's helping me immensely. I'm wondering also, like, why didn't I do this earlier? <laughs> but timing is, is always perfect. And what I've, what I've realized is whenever someone asks me, you know, what's the, what's the, what was the best time of your life? Like, what's the time or a year you can remember as like the best year? A year that always comes to mind is the year I left Sweden. I was 18 years old. I left everything behind and I started a new life, moved to Costa Rica and spent a year and a half living very similarly to how my days are right now. And that's also like another big insight for me is that was the first time in my life. Like I had all of these epiphanies, all of these realizations for the first time, found meditation, you know, found community, found spirituality, found yoga, like all everything in my whole life changed and realized that this is the kind of life I want right? And what kind of pace was I moving at then? A really slow one, right? Where I woke up every morning. I was up at four every morning because I really wanted to be. And I sat on the beach and spent an hour in meditation. Like that was the energy that I was aligned in that year, right? I was barefoot all day in the rainforest all day, like picking my own vegetables all day, like learning, reading on the beach the whole time, like alone with my thoughts, you know? really without a phone, without a commitment, without pressure, without fear, without stress. Like that was my one really, really, really slow year. And when I look back at my life, like why is that year the one that stands out? Because that's the year where I was the most aligned with who I really am. And the person I really am is this, this version that I feel like I'm getting a little closer to every day now, where watering your gar garden is easy, right? Where like baking every day feels wonderful where I have time to just play with my daughter without feeling stressed because I have to be somewhere else, where also I can work, right? It's not like I'm not working and giving, giving up on everything, but I work at a pace that feels sustainable to me, right? Where when I feel like this is overwhelming, I can feel that and say, no, actually, I, should, I don't want to book all of these things, or actually, no, that's too much for me in a, in a week, or actually, no, that doesn't resonate with who, who I really am right? Just having that space to feel like that moment, oh, it's everything. That moment, that little moment of intuition, actually being able to hear it and then act, game changer, life changer, you know. So I feel more and more confident that this is not, this is not going to end. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm back working 10 hour days on the year. <laughs> I said I was going to be off. <laughs> How ridiculous is that? How ridiculous am I? <laughs> And sometimes I go like, you know, you guys who are, you're listening to this podcast, following along, you know, you must think that I'm totally insane. <laughs> like, like I'm a total, total fucking hypocrite. Like here I am announcing these big sweeping declarations of how I'm going to change my life. And then the first person's promise, the first promise that I break, you know, is my own. I'm really good at, you know, upholding my commitment to other people and staying true to my word to everybody else. But the first promise that I, that I break every day is my own. Right? How quick was I to, to take this year of space and turn it into work? <laughs> and then, you know, the universe was like, mm, wait a minute, there's an opportunity here. There really is. There's an opportunity here. And what's been so cool for me to realize this connection between that year when I was 18, 19 and everything was slow, you know, and how in tune I felt every day to what's happening now is there was a moment there after I moved after I moved to Aruba, when I'd been in Costa Rica, when I met Dennis and we were living this amazing life. Like I look back at that, that was probably like the year 
the year I started Instagram, the year a bunch of you, if, if you were with me then, like 2012 or 2013, and I started teaching yoga just because I loved it, right? Just because it, it filled me up so much. And I would go to bed with this feeling of like, I'm going to get to teach a yoga class tomorrow. It was that feeling of like Christmas Eve feeling. And, you know, just home with my dogs, like making a home, making a life, like spending so much time with Dennis in the sun, talking, like we didn't have that feeling of like, I have to do, I have to make something out of myself. I have to succeed. Like I didn't have that. And then, and I talk about this in my book, if you read the book, but I, I won't get into it too much now because we're at the end of this show. But then a, a major trauma came my way, a big one, a big one, a trauma involving my family, like a really, really big thing happened. And I almost lost Dennis at the end of that. You know, I can't remember what chapter this is of the book, but I share very, very vulnerably. And, you know, it was hard to write, hard for him to read, hard for us to heal from, but we did. But this major trauma came my way. And that for me, I'm able to connect the dots now, was the end of that slow life, right? That was the moment where I went, uh-oh, I gotta, gotta keep my eye on the ball now, right? Gotta make sure nobody dies. Gotta make sure no one's lost. Gotta make sure no one leaves me. You know, gotta, gotta, gotta pick up the pace. Hey, 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 Rachel, like, wake up, wake up, stay alert. And all of those old wounds inside of me kind of awoke again. And I started taking those things that I just did for enjoyment and I made them into something I was supposed to succeed at, right? I took the being out of it and it became doing. And that was seven years ago, <laughs> right? So for, you know, so I've had a year of this this new phase of my life, but easily say I had six years of, of kind of living a lifestyle that matched that frantic energy of fear that came my way, that was ignited, reignited inside of myself through that trauma that came my way. And it's kind of beautiful to tie all of this together right now, because then, you know, I was, how old was I? 22, I guess, <laughs> 23, 23, maybe. I didn't have those tools, right? I didn't, I didn't have the tools that I have now. I didn't have the, 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 the inner learning that I have now. I didn't have all those years of trial and error, like everything I had to learn along the way, including motherhood, the biggest learning of my life. Like all of that had to play out exactly the way it did so that I could sit here this year, exactly now with all of this as it, as it happened when this pandemic came my way to be able to actually unfold into this learning that's led me to this pace, to this slower, slower place of life. And being here with this now really present, like really conscious, you know, it's like, whoa, whoa, I'm not prepared to let this go. Mm -mm, not for anything, not for anything. And life threw me a big curveball last week just something wild and, and, and sad that that happened to us and where my first instinct and reaction you know probably would be anger or fire or fuck this like I even ha either have that or I go to yeah okay take it take whatever you want I'll give it I'll give it I'll give all, all of myself walk all over me like I've never had a middle ground you know I have <laughs> all the boundaries or no boundaries and now my instinct is whatever path allows me to keep my peace of mind, like that's it. That's where I'm going to go. Whatever allows me to feel calm, whatever allows me to, to whatever, you know, allows me to, to stay with this feeling of peace inside, like that's the way we're going to go. And that doesn't mean I'm letting people walk all over me. Oh, hell no. You know, what it really means is, is that beautiful line of, of doing no harm, but taking no shit, 
right? Where I can practice compassion and kindness and stay anchored, but nobody walks all over my space, right? Like there's that beautiful, that holding on and letting go. Like there's a halfway path that, that I'm learning to walk right now. And I know for you, you are in this place in your life too. You know, obviously our specific circumstances are super different, but you are in this place in your life right now where you are on the cusp of something massive, where you are learning or unlearning something that you waited your whole life to get to. And what if all of the weird and crazy things that have come your way over the past weeks, months, years led you here to this moment right now, because this is where you're supposed to be. And if it wasn't for those hard things, you wouldn't have had this learning right now. And I can look back at myself from seven years ago, like, oh, I wish I had, I wish I had other tools. Like, I wish I could have dealt with that trauma in a better way so I didn't have to lose all of that peace. I didn't have to run so fast. Yeah, but it also brought me a lot, right? It also brought me a lot of beautiful things. It also built a whole business, you know, it also created and carved out a whole career that's like this massive blessing. And if I was here now without that, maybe I wouldn't be able to, to anchor into this peace now. Like everything happens the way it's supposed to, at least for me in this moment. So as we get closer to some sort of transition happening again, if it's transitioning to something new after this pandemic or, you know, different regulations, another change coming our way, maybe soon we'll be able to hug our loved ones again, like we're going to feel and find transition again. I want you to hold on to these things that you're learning right now, like the big ones, the ones that are like, whoa, you know, this is massive. This is important for me. I need this in my life. If it's a slower pace or more intimate conversations or connections or something that you've stopped doing, right? That coronavirus took away from you that you realized like, man, I don't want more of that. Or if it's something you've been gifted now, you hold on to this for dear life. Because even if things go back to some sort of normal in terms of you know, what, what, what the rest of life looked like, you don't have to go back to what wasn't working. Like this is really, really your sign that if you want a new life, like this is it. And it's up to you right now to make those choices every day that put you in alignment with the kind of life you really want. And I right now have a garden before this pandemic. I had no garden. Like there was stuff growing. I wasn't present. I wasn't there. I wasn't growing it. I wasn't watering those plants. Like, you know, like we had a garden there, but like I have a garden now. I have a fresh loaf of sourdough on my kitchen counter waiting for me. I have pickled onions and cucumbers in my fridge right now. I have two sourdough starters. I have kombucha and ginger beer in my fermentation station. Like, <laughs> and I have space, time to actually do those things, you know? And what was keeping me from doing that before? Pain, <laughs> trauma, <laughs> you know, being totally out of alignment with my own inner space. So whatever struggle we have seen now, it's like this beautiful opportunity to put us back in alignment with what we actually want. And you know, what this sourdough means for me, like you have your own sourdough, like whatever that is for you that really lights you up, that really brings you back home, brings you back to peace. Like make sure you don't lose sight of that. Don't lose your sourdough. <laughs> don't lose your garden. Don't lose your baking. Don't lose this time with your kids, with your loved ones, these intimate, honest conversations, this time you're spending reading, creating, dancing, drawing, you know, 
Don't lose it. Don't lose it. I want to thank you for tuning in. Always, always so grateful for you. If you want to practice yoga with me, I'm teaching yoga every Monday and every Friday, 10 a.m. EST. So that's 7 a.m. Pacific time. And it's 3 p.m. UK time, 4 p.m. if you're in Sweden. So if you want to come practice with me, they have been so far like really fun, a mix of fun, kind of sweaty vinyasa style classes. And we've had some restorative, calm, juicy classes, but we cry in every class. <laughs> There's something, something about these times, man. We cry in every class. So it's a safe space to just come and breathe and feel and cry and move. And mm, it's yummy, yummy, yummy. So I'll see you on yogagirl.com and uh, I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. You can find them all on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you normally get your shows. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work and thanks to my sponsors. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll be back next week.